and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. Whether you listen to us on the Blue Royalty feed or the London is Blue feed, thank you for tuning in. We are able to exist thanks to you, an amazing community of Chelsea supporters, and we can't thank you enough for your support. So if you are enjoying the podcast and listening from the London is Blue feed, please do hop over to Blue Royalty via Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and feel free whilst you're there to leave a five-star review or any other stars, but maybe five stars, to help other listeners find the show. I am joined this evening by Abdullah Abdullah and Ollie Glanville. I almost called you Rick because your name on Zoom today is Rick and I don't know why I just looked at your name. Um, who are joining me to discuss through Chelsea's 4-2 win over Brighton. Um, I'm going to call it a Brighton game of two halves because the first half was very... Chelsea Brighton coded. I thought we conceded a silly goal. We created loads of chances. Sophie Backley played the game of her life. But fortunately, um, pretty much thanks to a little German midfielder called Shukunuskan, well, she's not very little, very tall German midfielder called Shukunuskan, uh, the second half was actually quite fun. And we came away with the 4 2 win. Abdullah, I'll come to you first. What was your sort of immediate reaction takes on the game? Um. Classic Chelsea, just you know, like giving the opposition hope in the first in the first half, first 20, 25 minutes, you know, saying that you know what, we are beatable, we're a beatable team, we're all over the place, we're a mess, you know, target our players, and then it's like, you know, you have your chance to 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 get at us, and then if you don't take it, well, we're just gonna come back and smash you, and which is exactly what Chelsea did. So I thought it was a a classic Chelsea performance uh, in in that sense, but um, I think just good old Chelsea in terms of their their mindset and their ability to come back into games and and just make sure that they finish the job and and the game. If you watch the first ten minutes, you go and you know you you leave and come back and just watch the scoreline, you'd be like, wait, what just happened? Um, but uh, yeah, otherwise. Good. I mean, I I just love the fact that we can, we can still come back from games and that ability still hasn't gone away, regardless of the number of changes that we've made in, in the starting lineup. Yeah, Ollie, I thought at one point this was going to be one of our classics from, from last season, a 3-1, which we really enjoyed for a long time. Is, is 4-2 going to be our new scoreline of the season? Because if so, it's quite enjoyable. Six goals, great for the price of entry. Yeah, listen, it's very, very enjoyable. Um. It was slightly more enjoyable at 4-1, let's be honest, when the sun got in everyone's eyes. But yeah, um, lovely to watch. I think we can refer to ourselves as the reverse of Carla Ward's um, Aston Villa at the moment, in that when we go down, you expect us to come back and win. Whereas with uh, Villa at the moment, when they go up, you expect someone to come back and take points off them. Yeah, uh, Villa going 1-0 up once again um, this week before promptly getting thrashed by Spurs. Actually, that game ended 4-2 as well, didn't it? Big big week for 4-2s at the WSL. Let's see if Bristol City can uh, do the same to, to Arsenal, which is kicking off in 20 minutes. Uh, start of the week here from Harry Edwards at Harry Edwards 16. Chelsea haven't lost a game in October for five years. Since the five 0 defeat to Arsenal on fourteenth of October twenty eighteen, I do feel like the game that was the game where Emma Hayes was really like, "Fuck it, I've had enough. I'm gonna make this team way better." Um, and I feel like kind of from then we haven't really 
Uh, look back, obviously further extending our home winning run. Brighton, the team to to previously put paid to to the unbeaten run we had before, but we managed to uh, continue that one today, even though it felt very narrative driven that they would manage to end it. Let's go to some of your three word match reviews. Rob at journalism underscore RP coming in with Ginger Giant. Damian Marshall says Nuskan silence seagulls. Amy says the future is bright. Yeah, I did say after the game. All our goal scorers were 22 and under. That There was only two goal scorers, but the stat still stands. That's three goals for a 22-year-old and one goal for a 20-year-old. Um, oh, and also on this podcast, we believe in Nuskin's perfect hat-trick. And I don't care what any nerd or statistician wants to tell me about an own goal. Um, she said in the mix zone, she had the match ball and she said she got the last touch. And I stand with Shooker. Um, Michael Doherty says all shook up which I like. FPL Vibe says Nuskan is unreal and Bong's official goes with Shukun Nuskan supremacy. Lots of Shukun Nuskan love. Abdullah, are you going down this same Shukun Nuskan route? I'll I'll leave that for everybody else to do. I, I got to give a shout out to Aggie Beaver Jones. That's that's my three word match review, Aggie Beaver Jones. I know it's hyphenated. You may count it as two words, but I'm going to go with it. You know, I'm glad even though I made the call like three weeks ago, Charlie comes on and scores the goal. I loved her cameos. So for me, the, the three-word match review is Aggie Beaver Jones. I'm going to use this as an opportunity to get on my soapbox as well, because at Kings Meadow today, people were chanting, Aggie, 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 oi, oi, oi. And I've discussed this before, and I'm going to get, Ollie, you won. You know it. The chant is, or should be, Aggie, 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 Beaver Jones. Her name fits perfectly. Everyone, please get on board. If I want one thing for Blue Royalty to stand for, it is the correct Aggie Beaver Jones chant. And I will not rest until Kings Meadow sings it properly. Okay, rant over. Ollie, what was your three-word match for you? Was it oi, oi, oi? <laughs> I mean, it could have been... Um... <laughs> I, I blame the I blame once again the ten year old fan that started the chant in the uh, West Stand for that uh, for that ending then, although I did join in naturally. Um, yeah, I think Silky German Sugar is probably what I will go for in the three word match review. I was going to go for a variation of Shook, but they've all been taken and much better than I would have done. So I'll go with that. I would be really happy if we could repurpose the. Silky German, she won Chelsea the Champions League chant um, for Shook and Nuskin. I believe that, that, I reckon we can do that this year. Um, or if not this year, I think we've got quite a while to, to rely on her. So uh, yeah, that could be a good one going forward. I am going to go with Comeback Queens uh, just because I actually felt like when we went 1-0 down, the energy that was picked up um, immediately was really strong and I think it would have been really easily to get wobbled by it and to get frustrated and I think we've seen a couple of the bigger teams earlier in the season in the WSL sort of go one nil down and look a bit sort of panicked and a bit confused about what to do and I actually thought this was probably our best attacking performance of the season so far um we could easily have scored two or three before Nuskin even equalised just before half time. And I think as soon as as soon as we got the goal before half time, it felt like inevitable that more would come in the second half, as proved to be the case. And I just felt like whether it was 
in possession or it, when it came to counter-attacking that we were just in a really, really good place to to go out and attack. And I think we fully deserved to get the win in the end. And I think it was a really optimistic place to to leave the team as we head into the international break. All right, we will take an ad break here. And then when we come back, we will dig into how Chelsea set up. So yeah, I will just quickly run through the scoreline for anyone who who missed the game. Paulina Bremer gave Brighton a 1-0 lead after 10 minutes, um, which to be honest, sort of like came out of nowhere. And we'll discuss the goal itself when we when we get a bit further along. Um, Chelsea toiled for quite a while before Shukunuskun got her first of the afternoon, just before half-time, a lovely header. Um, she got her second on the other side of half-time, scoring in the 52nd minute, and she got her third, even though it's down here as being an own goal from Guru Bergsvind, in the 74th. Aggie Beaver-Jones with a Shukunuskun assist, because who else would do anything in attack, apparently, in this game? Uh, she got her first goal. Her, her first goal for senior goal for Chelsea? Ollie's nodding at me, yeah. In the 82nd minute, that put it 4-1 up. And of course, Elizabeth Turland, because Elizabeth Turland cannot stop scoring. And I am an Elizabeth Turland fan, so I kind of took this as, you know, a fun present for me as well to see Elizabeth Turland score. We won. Why not? I really like her. I will also say on Elizabeth Turland, she took a ball in the face from Sophie Ingle at one point in this match and did not flinch. That woman is made of steel. So, yeah. Shout-outs to Elizabeth Turland, I guess. All right. Chelsea lined up with someone new in goal. AKB getting her first start of the season. Back three of Millie Bright, Kadish Buchanan and Jess Carter. Um, Eve Perisay and Eve Charles were the wing-backs. Shukunuskun and Sophie Ingle were the mid midfield pivot with Fran Kirby, Sam Kerr and Lauren James up top. Interestingly, Abdullah, we obviously saw AKB make her first start of the season, but Emma Hay said after this game that Hannah Hampton was close to be including in the starting eleven today. Hampton made her first appearance on the bench, which I'd kind of assumed was because we had absentees, so we may as well put her on the bench. But feels like Emma is really bigging up the goalkeeper competition hype. Yeah, it it seems like it. I mean, we we only saw that news after the game but I, I i think during the game all of us on whatsapp were, were like well this is this is another mistake from a goalkeeper and you know hannah hampton at this point might just get a run of games and then you see that news and you go well this could legitimately happen i was uh i mean ollie just before you came on i was saying jesse um in january might as well recall nikki everard and give her a start for a few games because at this point every goalkeeper is just gonna cause a mess and <laughs> we're gonna have issues no but it was interesting to see AKB back in goal uh, and a kind of a very changed lineup, even formation change. And I just think it just took everybody by surprise because of the way they've been playing in the 4-2-3-1 that has been working so well to kind of go into this back three where maybe just seems like it was just to, to, to match Brighton. But then why we needed to do that, I don't understand. It was like a, it was an experiment that wasn't required and everybody looked uncomfortable. Uh, and and it, it was it was weird, and I know we'll we'll get into it. But um, I mean, I thought okay. Besides the mistake, AKB didn't really have too much to do, and when she did, I thought I thought she was she was her, herself, so which is fine. Kadish Buchanan's kind of an iffy performance for me. You know, it wasn't like the most assured one there. It still feels like there's remnants of last year uh, kicking in, and and I, I did although I did I did like Perisay, I think better when she moved into the right back position than right wing back. But yeah, overall. Um, Chelsea's goalkeepers are uh, 
are all I think they're all going to get a turn. And I think maybe this is why Hannes didn't push for a loan because if this is the plan that every goalkeeper is going to get an opportunity and 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 the and the margin for error for a goalkeeper to stay in is is going to get smaller and smaller. And, and like in Zachira's case, you've played three games. All right, you've had a couple of mistakes. You're going to get dropped. AKB maybe comes in for the next two three games, and then you go vice versa. I think that's the reason why she's probably staying because at this point it's it's just going to seem like at least for maybe the first three months, Emma's just going to keep trying her goalkeepers until she finds the one that's most comfortable for her, whether that be Hannah Hampton or AKB or Zajir Musovic. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting, obviously, to see how it plays out. I, I will say to me that Hannah Hampton was close to being included in the starting 11. Feel, feels like it could be such an Emma Hayesism in terms of like, Ooh, like let's skip, but like, like really, she didn't make a single squad this season. You're like, you were gonna start her. I mean, I guess potentially. And the only other thing I will say is, I I do think the goalkeepers will continue to rotate, but I actually think from AKB, the the sort of error that did lead to that second Brighton goal is probably something that you can either turn around and be like, this is exactly why Zatira Musevic starts because we don't think she'll make errors like that. We think she'll just drop the ball instead. Um, but I think also there's an argument to be made like, well, this was AKB's first minutes of the season and a goalkeeper might be more likely to make errors like that if they haven't played that much. Um, it's going to be something that's going to carry on rumbling on. I'm already quite bored of talking about it, um, but <laughs> I think we will carry on discussing it, won't we, Ollie? Definitely. And I note that um, the Brighton team only has four midfielders there, but there's clearly the Lions person that's playing right right wing for Brighton <laughs> uh, that should have been included in this match report. <laughs> I'm sure we'll come on to later. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, just before we get into that, actually, uh, I'll just touch on some of the absentees. Um, we knew there was going to be no Melanie Leupold, so that wasn't a surprise. We were warned there might be more absentees and sort of Norway broke the news for us that Gura wasn't going to be playing because she was confirmed to have pulled out of their of their Norwegian squad. There was no Aaron Cuthbert as well. Um, Hayes just on those injuries told Charlotte Harper after the game of The Athletic that Gura Wrighton has an ankle ligament injury. She was in a boot. Um, no time scale on her return. Guru said to fans at the game that it will be a while. So that doesn't sound great. Um, Aaron Cuthbert, meanwhile, just has a minor left quarter injury, and Hay says there's still a chance she might go to Scotland. So, hopefully, Aaron is someone we will see playing soon. Guru, I think, unfortunately, we won't be playing soon. And I actually think this is something that will be important to discuss because I think you really saw today how much of an impact that had on the way Chelsea wants to play. But I think you also saw how Chelsea might potentially deal with that. Let's go on then to, to talk about the game itself. And we may as well start, Ollie, with that Brighton goal because I feel like Chelsea started pretty comfortably. I thought it was interesting that Brighton, I thought, were quite passive. They were sitting back quite a lot. But then they sort of get this break, not really out of nowhere, but, you know, like Bremer drives forward with the ball, goes out to Kate Robinson. Bremer then runs a ton off side. And I think there is a bit of miscommunication between Bright and Buchanan in terms of who's picking them up. But also there's an extent whereby I think Brighton Buchanan are also trying to keep a, a line that, in the way that you do normally when you've got sort of runners going in between you. Um, it is hard to totally 100% say it. Um, I don't know where you were sitting, Ollie. Like from, I couldn't, I couldn't tell from where I was. I'm watching it back on the FA player. You can kind of tell because Bremer's not in shot. Um, and you see her run out of shot and you can see the Chelsea defensive line, but it's on a weird-ass angle. Um, but yeah, it felt like a not 
it felt like such a brightly start to the game. Yeah. Um, if you just kind of deconstruct the goal, it was a great counter-attack move, right? It was fast paced. They moved out wide really quickly. It was a great early cross. Um, from block B in the West Stand, <laughs> um, the Brighton players were in line with my view of the goal. So for viewers that or for listeners rather, that means I was looking diagonally from the halfway line, essentially, <laughs> um, or just inside our half, halfway inside our half. So they were so clearly offside that they were in line with the way I was looking towards the goal. So, <laughs> and the lino um, throughout the entire game was it was it was quite entertaining actually. Um, she stayed at least five yards behind play at all times, even you know throw-ins and things like that. She was out of position, so not the best game for her. Um, but yeah, it was it was a very strange kind of goal. It felt a bit surreal um, because. It was a it was a very nice piece of play in terms of, you know, uh, dropping deep, playing out wide, uh, the early post, the back post, a nice finish, but it was massively offside, and and I think the whole Chelsea backline knew that, and kind of turned towards the referee in a way it was just like, okay, well it's off, so it's fine, but no one remonstrated, no one kind of said this is definitely offside. There was no sort of, yeah, there was no anger really. It was just. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was a very odd kind of minute or so. But I do think going into the rest of the game that we sort of needed it, to be honest. Um, it sort of gave us the kick up the backside that we needed to start playing our football and focus, to be honest. Um, you know, we'll touch on their second goal later. It was probably sun related because, um, you know, a lot of the back line, their midfield, um, or our midfield rather, all were shading their eyes from the sun that was very low um, over the south stand. But yeah, it was just um, a very sloppy kind of few moments um, for both goals, really. But between that, we saw some very lovely football. Yeah, and I do think, you know, the the Bryson scoring that goal, it felt like they did give them some impetus and they, they did go through a couple of minutes after that goal where they look good and Hayes made a bit of a tactical change. She switched Bright and Buchanan, so Bright became... The centre centre back, she started off as the right side centre back with Buchanan, but Buchanan was just getting absolutely shafted on like every long ball. Um, and I felt like that change really shored us up. At first, Abdullah, we were sort of like labouring going forward. And I think part of that was this feeling, and this is where I think Wrighton's absence is going to be really interesting, is I thought Lee Meng Wen actually had up until maybe our equaliser, was having a really good game and she was keeping Neve Charles really quiet. It felt like we really didn't have a presence on the flanks with the way Kirby and James were both sort of looking to come deep and, and try and pick up the ball. What what did you make of just that initial starting eleven, Chelsea's plan of attack? Yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was interesting. I, I can I, I I do agree with you that I think with no Guru, I don't I think I not I don't just think it's the directness that we get from Guru on the left. I think it helps Neve Charles as well. And I mean, it wasn't a coincidence that Neve had her the quietest game of the of the season so far. Uh, and and Lee Mengwin had uh, had had you know was able to kind of keep her in her place and and stop her uh for the most part. And I think it comes down to the fact that Guru takes so much attention away from 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 Neve's uh, overlapping runs and underlapping runs that Guru's good enough to handle defenders on her own and take them one on one and 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 you know go um, go that way. But with with Neve in there, I think there still maybe needs to be a little bit more 
of a development of her being able to take the flank on her own. You kind of look at what um, Guru used to do at left wing back on her own. She used to kind of take up that left flank on her own whenever Kirby or someone used to play on the left and come inside. She could handle that flank on her own. Maybe Neve isn't at that point and she needs somebody else to be the reference for her to be able to play around. Um, but the overall system probably was a little bit of a surprise to me. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't think that Emma would choose this game of all games to play a 3-4-3. Maybe it was one of those where she was like, well, we need to test out different formations for the rest of the season. Let's see how a 3-4-3 works. And and probably wanted to give some game time to someone like Katisha Buchanan uh, and, and Eve Parise. So she, um, you know, she kind of switched to this. But it'll be interesting going forward because... Lauren Jane starting on the left really decided to come inside. Fran Kirby playing on the right really decided to come inside. And the idea was for the two wing backs to basically take up their positions. But I just don't feel like either player had had the ability to or the profile to rather in this game to be able to do that, which is why as soon as we switched to the to four at the back, everybody looked a little bit more um uh, more comfortable. And and then and, and we'll talk about this later. But I think I thought I thought Johanna Ritson Canard had a had an underrated impact in that second half in terms of the way she played and gave us the space out on the right-hand side. Uh, and, and that sort of directness, I think, will be key in replacing what Guru doesn't give us. So maybe JRK becomes the all-important replacement in a way for Guru Ritens, but but we'll have to see. Yeah, I guess, I guess Oli, we saw a very similar sort of setup and style with that exact same front three against West Ham, but it felt like, and I guess maybe we saw it at, points against West Ham that it felt like they didn't quite have the they weren't clicking the same way I will say I thought they probably looked better today and Kirby hit the post well hit the crossbar twice and she also missed a 1v1 and I feel like on another day she probably scores all three of those goals to be honest um it definitely felt like she was still sort of getting into her rhythm getting into her finishing um but it felt like there were points when just Charles and Perisay couldn't get high enough. And I think that's kind of credit to what Bryson were able to do. As I say, I thought Lee Meng Wen looked really good in getting rid of those areas. Uh, Emma Kohlberg sort of dropped to follow Perisay a lot. But we did get, we were getting forward more and there were a lot, a lot of goal mouth scrambles going on. And I think that was the point where I was like, even for Chelsea Brighton, this feels like too much pressure because lots of the normal Chelsea Brightons are actually like we sort of get to the edge of the area but don't do anything from there and this was a lot more like we're fighting everyone in the six yard box and I was like I don't think they can just defend the six yard box with 10 bodies for a whole game yeah I think we we saw the difference between a, a Chelsea Brighton game and a Chelsea game against Sophie Bagley where <laughs> she always makes like an average of 10 saves against us, but then we score a massive amount of goals <laughs> at the same time. So it's like, she had a great game, but we also scored a lot of goals. It felt like she had a great game until she gave, until we scored. And then she was like, I'm bored of having a great game. Now. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is sort of the reverse usually of what happens with Sophie Bagley, where she's just keeping the score down <laughs> usually against us. Um, so that, that must've been a weird experience for her. Um, but what I will say is coming back to Gura Wrighton, I thought it was really interesting how we use Sam Kerr today. And, you know, we're so used to Sam being in this kind of free roaming central, like central area, right? But you always expect her to be in the box. And at times she was dropping back to cover Ev Perisay, 
at like right wing back and you're looking at her going okay I know that's Sam Kerr but why is she standing by Emma Hayes at this point like we're in possession what's going on kind of thing um but also it it looked to me like it was a very um clear tactical decision to say that Shuk Niskan you are running through the middle here and you are going to score us goals and it worked I mean let's be honest it worked but at times you were looking at us attacking thinking why is Shook the only player in the box? Why is, you know, why is everyone kind of set up to supply Shook with uh, with the ball in the box? Um, and it ultimately ultimately worked out, but I did find it a bit confusing. Um, and going back to the fact it was a five, Neve, I think, even though she played that role a lot last year, she look, just looks so much more comfortable at left back. I literally thought the same thing. Yeah. And I was like, how have we got to this point? But I, I totally agree. I thought she looked so much better as soon as we switched back to the four. Yeah, she's. it's like something's switched in her mind where she's like, okay, Abdullah told me I'm the best left back in the league now. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just going to run it like this. I'm just going to go week in, week out, best left back in the league. Because to your point, like when we switched to a four, you just saw Neve again. Like she was running the left-hand side. It was really comfortable um Jess left center back just felt like so secure until this kind of weird two minute cycle of the sun coming down and Jess randomly losing the ball which she never does um but yeah it was it was really interesting I also the last thing I was going to say was Sophie and Shook were not playing a pivot like a standard pivot they were playing one forward one back and it at times it was almost like a four one four one but then the one going forward was like Shuk Nuskan, not Sam Kerr. And I was like, what is this formation? But it worked out in the second half. And we saw some really, really lovely football. And JRK off the bench, as I, I'll flag back to you, Jesse, <laughs> I said, look, if Mudrick can do it, JRK is going to do it. That's true. You and did it, it say. Felt like, it felt like she was driving with purpose today. It felt like she was backing herself. And, you know, the first thing she did was run through like five Brighton players and almost score with her left foot. So something feels like it could click there. And if it does, then we finally get to see JRK. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will say I I did think at one point that JRK was going to come on before half time because I was standing right by the bench and they spent so long going through everything with her. Like they had obviously been watching the entirety of the first half and were like, this is exactly how we want to change our attack and this is what you need to do. And I was genuinely surprised because they were with her some from sort of like 37, 38 minutes to the point where I was like, surely this is going to be a pre-halftime sub. Let's, we'll get into JRK in, in just a second, but Abdul, let's just touch on, on the goal because we need to give Jess Carter a, a lot of credit here in terms of keeping the ball alive, keeping hold of the ball, putting in a cross. It's still, this is such a weird part of Jess Carter's game because we know she can put in balls like that but we don't actually see her do it that often but this was also a great example of sort of whole team pressure you know like having all of these players higher up the pitch and Nuskin just found herself in absolutely acres of space beautiful run to to head in to get that equalizer before half time obviously such a cliche but it did feel like we needed to equalize before half time yeah for sure and and when when Eve was about to take that that corner I thought First, I thought she was going to play it short really quickly to Lauren James. But then when she set it up, I thought, okay, she's going to go. And when the short corner got taken and it got moved to Frank Kirby, and I thought Frank Kirby would shoot. 
But when she passed it, I thought the move was over. I I, I genuinely thought the ch- the chance was gone. The move was over. Not going to get the ball back in. And especially when Fran seemed like an overhead pass out to Jess Carter, I was like, the chance is gone. Jess Carter to keep it alive, sh- you know, shrug off the defender and get that cross in for for Shukinuskin. I was like, what? And then the the head of finding, I thought Sophia Bagley would have saved that as well. She was saving everything in that half. Anything that went to her, she was she was putting her hand there. But uh, I was I was actually quite quite pleasantly surprised with the way that goal came about because you're right we needed that before halftime but the just the whole sequence of play just to me felt like one lost moment after another and I guess that probably was basically I think it was the chance it was the goal they deserved for the amount of chances that they had created other than those amazing saves because on another day it's five five one four one in that first half and to end up going in one one. I think was super important. And then I think, which we'll get, we'll probably talk about the second half in a second, but to kind of come out and make those immediate couple of changes kind of, I think, added the pressure momentum and obviously uh, Sugar score, you know, six, seven minutes into the second half. All right, let's take an ad break here and then we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about how that momentum went forward in the second half. So Chelsea went ahead with the halftime change, which I say, I think I've been planned for a while. I did wonder when we equalised, will they scrap it? But no, they clearly felt like this was something that needed to happen. Kanisha Buchanan was hooked. Um, I don't think she looks amazing, but she also didn't have loads to do. So I feel like this was more of a formation decision than a personnel decision, but it wasn't a great look. I think it's very, I think we all know at this point who the first choice centre-backs are, and they are Millie Brighton and Jess Carter. Um, JRK came on, and I think, Clearly, Hayes wanted to unleash the fact that JRK drinks whatever the Brighton goalies drink before these games because JRK against Brighton is different to every other JRK we ever see. And I knew we were seeing this again the moment she stopped a crossfield Brighton ball in the air with her ankle. Ollie. And from then on, it was just seamless play. Yeah, I mean, this is the JRK we want, right? I mean, if we can just somehow give her some like contact lenses that just paint Brighton kits on the opposition every single week, um, that'd be great. Uh, we, we'd get to see exactly the the player that we that we signed. Um, I, I thought the fact that she was she was running and driving with purpose um, a lot of the time and that link up with Ev Perise was really lovely to watch, I thought, especially when we switched to the four. Ev suddenly made sense in that role um, and her 1v1 defending was brilliant, to be honest. Um, but that kind of right side, the similar thing to what we were saying at the back end of last year, right, that um, there's that partnership down that right wing where... Ev and JRK seem to understand each other. Yelena seems to understand JRK as well. And Emma's kind of formulated that partnership whereby they trust each other and it gives them confidence. They they bounce off each other and you get great results like we did. Um, yeah, it's just exactly what you wanted, what you wanted to see. Um, again, she was right in front of us in the West Stand the second half, and she was clearly bouncing off the fans as as we were encouraging her as well. So that was really great to see. Um, yeah, I just I just want her to back herself more. There is no player in the league running at you one-on-one, theoretically, who would scare you more than her. Maybe Shugnuskin, but we'll come on to that in a bit. Um, but like just if she runs full speed at you, 
then you've got an issue. You've got an issue. And, and she just needs to back herself constantly. And then she'll get the output that she deserves. Yeah. And I mean, we we exactly saw that with the second goal, which I thought was such a good goal. And the difference, Abdullah, that I felt like with the second goal, and I don't know if it's just the Brighton version of Canarid, but it's what we don't always see. But it was that the decisions were perfect. She picked up the ball on the counter. She ran forward. Sam Kerr moved into that that right wing position that she'd been taking up throughout the game, as, as Ollie's already touched on. Perfect ball to Sam. Really well weighted through the defenders so that Sam can just take the ball and then cut back across to Nuskin, who's in absolutely acres of space. But I will say, still, I think, finished well because I think there are plenty of players who would still have, in that moment, not made it look as simple as she did. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and, and I, yeah, whatever everyone's drinking for this this Brighton game, like you said, I think JRK needs to have more of that constantly. And I think this is the... This is the Johanna Ritten candidate I think we've all been waiting for and 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 we wanted to see her thrive and and I think the effect that she had today was perfect, especially against Brighton back five Brighton's back five to kind of have that presence and that running in behind and someone who's you know not afraid to take the ball and just run past players and I felt like in the first half there wasn't enough of that. Neve does that, but we saw it more in the second half when the switch to the four when there was a bit more of a pathway for her to do that and when you have that on both sides, I think it really does help. And I, I don't think Brighton were expecting that from from Canterid, but but like you said, I, and I and I don't have an answer to this, but whatever whatever she decided to do today in terms of her decision making of passes and crosses and you know almost that tactical intelligence today, I don't know if we've ever seen that before. So whatever Emma and and Tanya and everybody has kind of told her on the training ground or before the game when she was coming on, like we want you to do one, two, three seems to work like a charm because this is, this is the player that we signed last season. And, you know, we, we need more of this. And kind of like I was saying before, I think with Gura out for the foreseeable future, we're going to need somebody who's going to be direct for us. And and while Lauren and Fran can do that in their own way, what we need with direct directness is someone who can take the ball, run at players at pace and just, you know beat people for pace in one-on-one positions and get to the byline attract players and then you know quickly cross it in because the way Fran and Lauren would do it would be very much a um, slow movement burst of acceleration get past you'll you'll basically take one player away from you whereas if you have someone like JRK she can suddenly attract one two three players to get into her position if she can get those crosses in like she did today with the right decision the right cutbacks then suddenly we have more space opening up in the middle and on the left side. Um, I was going to say shout out to Fran Kirby on the edge of the box um, with that brilliant tackle, sort of recovering on the run, winning that 50-50 and then laying in JRK because she turned a very dangerous uh, Brighton attack into a very dangerous Chelsea attack. And it just shows you how comfortable she is in her body at the moment. And I think that's great to see. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's not the first time she's made a really crucial tackle in, in the penalty area. And I think it's really, really exciting to see that the output she can have both offensively and defensively for this team. Interesting change that sort of came quite soon after this was was the decision to basically not not quite swap out the midfield, but slightly alter the midfield, which I wondered whether it was a bold decision, Abdullah, when it was only sort of 2-1. But Elena Trankovic came on. She went into the pivot 
we saw Shukunuska move up to play as the 10 with Frank Kirby going off. Lauren James also went off. Jesse Fleming came on to play at left wing. But I really want to give Jesse Fleming some credit because every time I feel like she's come on this season, she has upped the fluidity of our attack really noticeably in terms of what she's allowed the players around her to do interchangeably. And I don't know if she's just going to sort of exist in this super sub space for a while, because I think in terms of like quality, I can see why players like Kirby and James are being selected ahead of her. I can see why someone like Nuskun is going to be selected ahead of her after today. And she did have an absolutely incredible miss where she absolutely shanked it over the crossbar when she had a tap in. Um, but I think that's been really interesting. And I feel like it's not something we've always... Some Sometimes she plays and I feel like she's just a player purely for off the ball. But this game and the game against West Ham, it felt like when she came on, the way we played on the ball really, really changed. Yeah, and, and I think we've talked about this before and that Jesse is the kind of number 10, 8 that we have that will give us a lot more off the ball. And we've, we've really talked about her pressing, we've talked about her movement and the way she she plays that. But I think what Jesse is and does is that because she's so good on the ball, I think she's a, just a very, very good connector. And I think with the, the players that were on the pitch, you have Shukaniskin as the 10, kind of the second eight six being Jesse and then and then Yelena Kankovic uh, next to her I just felt like her ability to connect Kankovic and Nuskin and kind of the rest of the forwards I think was really good and you needed somebody who was really mobile in 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 that in those vertical spaces and someone who could kind of pick up the ball and give it give it forward kind of run around play in the pockets kind of make those off the ball runs and she kind of did all of those things perfectly. And when she did get the ball, she was able to kind of release it quickly into the and make the right decisions in that in that sense. And, you know, when you have a number 10 facilitating or an eight facilitating that specific role, must be really, really good off the ball, it, it becomes fantastic. And you look at someone like Aaron Cuthbert, who's very, very good on the ball and very good defensively, but does she have the best off the ball offensive intelligence? Maybe, I don't know. That's probably questionable there. But someone like Jesse may not be the greatest defensive player, but offensively has really good movement and knows what place pockets to pick up and is very good at picking up balls in the half turn and in the half space and in those really small and acute areas, which I think really helped to free uh and Niskan eventually because you know the, the team was like okay we need to stop Jesse because Jesse's the one that's supplying everyone in front so once it started going to her you kind of let Shuka Niskan go up there but I was sort of surprised to see Shuka go up to 10 because you'd have thought Yelena would have gone up and and, and there would have been a role reversal like Yelena should have been the one playing as that as that bit more of a 10-ish role rather than than Shuka but I think I, I, was, I said it before and we, we were talking on WhatsApp I really do think that Emma's decided that Yelena is a much better 8-6 this season and she's going to play as an 8-6 because the game we saw against Roma, she played as almost like an 8-6 and she controlled that game from deep in midfield really well. The games that she's come up in, she's played deeper as this controller and able to really pass it out and kind of move forward when she needs to. And it's almost being able to free up Sugar Niskin, Aaron Cuthbert, Jesse Fleming and Frank Kirby to do more of a thing, do what would I want Yelena to play further forward? Yes. Um, but I do think we're going to start seeing a little bit more of the, maybe a Sophie Ingle reincarnate in the form of Yelena Kankovic, just someone who's a bit more mobile in the position, 
very, very good at passing and very, very good at spraying it out, but someone who can move a lot faster. So I feel like this could be the evolution of Sophie Ingle in a new position. I mean, isn't the new Sophie Ingle just someone who's a bit more mobile and, and can kind of do that job. But, you know, that's just my, that's just me. Well, it is going to be really interesting, Ollie, to see how all of these players, you know, like what roles they play. And I think realistically, we know from an Emma Hayes, from a Chelsea perspective, that they're all going to play different roles at different points in the season. But the Nuskin one in particular is, is obviously just fascinating because we came, you know, she's a she's a DM. She's always, she spent the whole of last season playing at centre-back. And, you know, some interesting quotes kind of from from after the game where Nuskin sort of said that she wants to play in every position in midfield. She doesn't care if she's in the 10 or if she's in the pivot, like that she literally doesn't care. She likes to run. She likes to tackle. That That's like, that's what she said her favourite things are as a player. And I think clearly Hayes feels like this is someone who she already sort of trusts to have that energy to be in the positions to to score three goals and to, to get another, to be involved in every single goal we, we scored today. Yeah. What I was going to say was Shook loves to play as a four, a centre-back, a six, an eight, a ten. Presumably a striker, right? Anything up the middle. Like, don't put her on the wings. <laughs> Everything centre is is great. Um, but it is really interesting to see that, as Abdullah said, you know, when Yelena comes on, you're kind of expecting her to maybe be a 10 right but it makes more sense for her to have have the option of someone as kind of explosive or 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 um hard to deal with as Shugnuskin in front of her so she has those options when you think about a deep lying playmaker you're thinking of a, a player who is very very calm on the ball and there was a lovely moment in the second half um where Yelena went to go one way rolled the ball through two Brighton defenders and yeah, they needed a, a ticket to get back into King's Meadow because um, she literally put them both on the floor, which is great. Um, but she has the passing range to play forward. She has the kind of um, tenaciousness to to win the ball back. She has the kind of calmness on the ball that we associate with a Sophie Ingle. She can be that tempo player. And I, I do really like that comparison in terms of being maybe an, an evolution of a Sophie Ingle it, because I think Emma needs that type of player to to rely on and trust and to just say look you can be this player here i'll give you the freedom to try skills and and audacious flicks and and uh, balls over the top and things like that but i need you to do these very basic things for me and yelena can easily do that um similarly with with shook i can't think of another chelsea women's player other than maybe millie who throws herself into every single duel, every single challenge. Um, and it basically, it's so hard to deal with as an opposition defender, midfielder, attacker, because Shook is huge. So when when she throws herself into a challenge, she's going to win the majority of her 50-50s. And I think that came down to her, her perfect hat-trick um, third goal, right? And that was her throwing herself at the ball in the eight yard, but you know, eight yards out, whatever, and getting there first. And that was crucial. And I think she does that all over the pitch, whether it's defensively, offensively, whatever. And I think she'll be a really, really special player at Chelsea. Yeah, really. Just it's exactly the kind of game you want a new young player to come in and have. You know, obviously, 
She did start that Spurs game. She had some really bright moments. She had some less than bright moments. And Hayes actually said after the game, you know, this is someone who we're still working with on sort of balancing out. So she knows when to go, when to stay. And that's totally natural, both in terms of her age and coming into a new team. But the absolute confidence boost you get for playing a game like this. And, you know, like, Brighton aren't the best team in the world, but they're not the worst team in the world either. And they're famously a team Chelsea always struggle against. So to basically, for her to take that opportunity and to be the hero of the match is... Yeah, I, I'm buzzing to see sort of where she goes from here because I think it's really, really exciting for her. Abdullah, we should give some credit to our girl. We love her. Aggie Beaver Jones. A fantastic cameo once again. The goal she deserved against West Ham, she got today. A really exciting option. And, you know, if Guru is going to be out for potentially a while and we touch wood, we hope that she isn't but it's exciting that beaver jones is someone who's coming in and is looking like she can be a part of this team i mean we don't know what she's gonna look like if she did start and it i think it suits her coming into these games whereby chelsea are ahead teams are a bit stretched she can run at them but it feels like she's really justified being part of this squad this year Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, uh, I was uh, I was hoping she'd come on a little bit sooner, um, just to just to kind of give Chelsea a little bit more of a difference. But it's it's like when she comes on, she just she just wants to impress and she's eager to get out there and kind of do her thing. And today, I was really impressed with her movement and everything. As soon as she came on, she was a live wire. Um, she was all over the place. She was looking for the ball. She was looking to make the runs. And kind of like you said, like the goal that she deserved against West Ham, she she got it. She got it here today and. I thought it was a is a very well taken goal because after after the all the run from JRK to get the ball to the byline and just get that cut back in, which I actually thought the ball would go across, but actually got cut back. And I don't think Brighton realized that or we're, we're gonna think it was gonna get cut back. And I think that's where the intelligence of JRK comes in. It gets cut back. And for Aggie Beaver Jones to be in the position that she was to then score that goal and slot and then in that position where it's Easy to score, but easy to mess up because of the pressure to kind of get it away. I thought she held her nerve and did it really well. And the the passion in that celebration to 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 get that goal was was in, it's incredible to see. And I think just that sequence of twenty seconds alone kind of justifies her being in the squad. And I think with the way the season is going to go, we have a lot more games to come than than we do right now. The frequency will increase and. We are going to need because it still doesn't like like we've already seen Sam has just come back from an injury. She still looks like she's she's getting up to speed with her fitness with the game. Again, wasn't as sharp today as she, as she normally would be. Mia Fischel's already been injured once with a groin strain, right? She's come back in. So and then Guru's out for a couple of months. And we've talked about injuries and stuff that I think Aggie will get um will get game time. And I think there will be games where we will need her to, to to step forward and, and and play well and i think um we will see some match winning goals from aggie beaver jones going in the future so I, i'm excited and 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 you know let's see let's see maybe maybe 10 goal wsl goals for aggie beaver jones this season is a reality that would certainly be something uh but yeah let's let's see how how we go i'm, I'm happy she's on one definitely uh ollie let's just sort of finish off wrapping this up with the Brighton goal that we did concede. 
I feel like the sun definitely had a role. I was actually more worried. I was worried throughout the second half about the sun because you could see as soon as we switched sides, it was in everyone's eyes. And when some shots came in at AKB, I was a bit like, oh. I also think, though, regardless of sun, there was just a general, we're 4-1 up. And, you know, we'd used all ourselves by that point. So there wasn't maybe that opportunity to bring on a Lawrence or a Mielda to sort of just get everyone like, you know, we've still got more to do here. And, I mean, fair play to Brighton. I thought that, you know, Viakri Sari was kind of the player who really came on for them and gave them a bit of an impetus to go for it. Um, but it's it's just that sort of lack of concentration. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, Hayes, regardless of Sun, will be like, this shouldn't have happened. Yeah, I mean, we've discussed the, the, the fact that Chelsea women sometimes do feel the need to rest within game. And usually it is on the ball, right? Um, but it did get to a certain level that was kind of a bit too much. Um, and, it, you know, I, I flagged it earlier with Jess Carter. It was so unlike her, but she was kind of just dawdling on the ball for, I want to say, about maybe 10 seconds and and then lost it and had to recover from it, like literally a few seconds before they scored. I think actually we won the goal. We got the goal kick from us recovering from Jess's mistake. So it was a kind of very strange two minutes. It almost felt like there was like a cutoff point whereby we felt immensely comfortable. Obviously, we, we don't really do too well against Brighton. So maybe it was an unfamiliar <laughs> place that they found themselves in. Um, but we do have to be very careful of that because if that kind of rest within game happens in Europe, for instance, in a you know, in in a group stage game that we need to win or or something like that. Yeah, it's it's something you need to monitor. Um the goal itself, yeah, it was it was unfortunate. It was um I wanna say it was probably it was probably AKB's fault because of um the bad distribution, but no one really seemed switched on at all. Um, you know, we had time to make up for AKB's mistake. We had several opportunities to win the ball back after we lost it. Um, and we were just never there first. The, Brighton felt like they won about three 50-50s before they got the chance to shoot. Um, and it, yeah, it was just frustrating, really. I feel like if Jess Fleming <laughs> had scored her, like, waft <laughs> um, a few minutes earlier, then the game may have been like 6 or 7-1. But because she didn't, it almost felt like the whole collective just thought okay 4-1's fine this is Brighton you know we don't usually beat this lot so we're okay for now but it, it was a kind of worrying sloppiness and it will be something that Emma absolutely only focuses on she won't care about the four goals really it will just be this like two minutes over and over and repeat uh, for defensive training and fair enough yeah definitely definitely fair enough but also I'm glad we were in a position whereby that didn't matter. And I think that was a big thing, especially after the West Ham game where we played so long at 1-0 and only managed to get that second goal at the end. Um, interestingly, I, I just checked out XG and sometimes this does get revised a bit when you, you check so quickly after games, but Opta has us at 4.25, which means this every game this season we've underperformed our XG still, um, which is... A, a nice position to be in because it basically means we're creating a lot and we haven't even hit the bit where you which you you will expect us to get to fingers crossed where we start hitting slash overperforming that as it as we normally do season by season um and i think that sort of sums up 
what was a great attacking performance and still maybe lack that control. As we've talked about, we're trying to figure out exactly how those midfield profiles work. We're missing players like Lopoltz, like Cuthbert, who I think we expect will come into the, the team and play more minutes going forward. Um, but I think it was a really positive way to to basically wrap up for the international break. I think there have sort of been some things that clearly need to get ironed out in this team. But I think to go through these four games, to have three home wins, to have drawn away at City, even though obviously that game was frustrating in its own right, um, to be sat top of the table um, or joint top, I guess, because technically not top uh, based on goal difference. But... Um, I think, yeah, that feels like a really, really positive place to be. So let's wrap up with a player of the match. Is anyone going to be hipster and not pick Shukanuskan? Silence. I think the Lino. Um, Lino. Had a, had a, had a, yeah, yeah. I, th I think she, she, I think she would be my pick. No, it has to be Shuk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not going to disagree either. Shukanuskan all the way. Yeah, I feel like that is just yeah. It is obvious. It's obvious. There we go. Uh, Niskan, you can have it. You can have it. Take it home on your bike. Um, all right. So that wraps us up for today. Um, we are going on international break, as we've kind of touched on. When we come back, we are away at Aston Villa, which will be very interesting because Aston Villa are yet to win a game this season. We then have... Everton away before we go to Madrid. So three away games on the bounce. Um, if you haven't listened to our Champions League group stage immediate reaction, go back and listen to that. Abdullah and I spoke about sort of our initial thoughts on the group. Um, I think the way the games have gone could potentially be quite nice. We've got Madrid away, Paris at home. We play Hecken home and away. Real Madrid at home and then we finish off in Paris and I think what everyone will hope is that by Christmas we will feel in a really good position that those January games don't feel so pressured so yeah Villa away Everton away Real Madrid away there are three games when we get back from that international break everything else that's going on in this match day so Tottenham beat Aston Villa 4-2 as we've touched on Man City held on to a 1-0 win against Leicester City Leicester, they look really, really good, guys. They look really good. Um, I think both teams were a bit unlucky not to sport score more there. Man United got over their um, disappointment in the Champions League by thrashing Everton 5-0, who look truly atrocious. Uh, West Ham got a late equaliser against Liverpool. And I can tell you right now that it is Bristol City 1, Arsenal 1. So if it's 6-1 to Arsenal when you listen to this, I'm going to be pissed off. But right now, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy it. So that with the table, that leaves City and Chelsea at the top on 10 points. Spurs just behind everyone on nine points. I think Chelsea's fairly comfortable win over Spurs at the start of the season is looking actually quite a lot better. Uh, United in fourth on eight. Leicester with seven points. Liverpool on seven. Arsenal currently on four, but they're obviously playing right now. West Ham, Brighton, Everton, Villa and Bristol City. Although, of course, equally, if Bristol City hold on to a point against Arsenal, they will go above Villa, leaving Villa bottom as we go into the international break. So, lots to take in there. Um, we'll be back throughout the international break. We've got lots of things still to discuss. We're going to have a look at our lone army. We will probably do a little kind of Villa preview, maybe do a bit more of a tactical deep dive on how Chelsea played in these first four games um i've just been told that emma hayes insisted in this game that we didn't switch between a back three and four so i think there's stuff to dig into uh in how this game played out confused faces from abdullah and ollie yeah i feel the same um but abdullah ollie thank you very much for joining me 
Thank you. Anytime. And thank you guys for listening. We'll be back very soon. Until then, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.